Did anybody else wear their St. Patrick's Day shirt? <laughs> Yesterday. Well, you know, St. Patrick's Day, it's not good for just one day, you know. Nick's wearing green. Yeah, there we go. Now, you see this? He's wearing orange and I'm wearing green. So if you know anything about Irish history, you know that uh, Jesus makes peace between everybody. <laughs> right? Let's have some fun here. Here we go. Ready? It's all you need. Come on, sing. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Well, if you're rich or poor, well, it don't matter. Weak or strong, you know. Love is what we're after. We're all broken, but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and we fall. Yes, He does. And He so loved the world, He sent His Son to save us all. Come on! And all the people said, Amen. Whoa, and all the people said, Amen. Give thanks to the Lord for His love never ends. And all the people said, Amen. That's right. Blessed are the poor in spirit who are torn apart. Blessed are the persecuted and the pure in heart. Blessed are the people hungry for another start. For theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Come on. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Yeah, come on. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for His love never ends. And all the people said, First verse, let's do it. Hey, you are not alone. If you are lonely, when you feel afraid, you're not the only. We are all the same. In need of mercy, to be forgiven and be free. It's all you got to lean on, but thank God it's all you need. Sing it! And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for His love never ends. And all the people said amen. If you're rich or poor, if you're rich or poor, well, it don't matter, weak or strong, you know. Love is what we're after. We're all broken, but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and we fall. And He so loved the world, He sent His Son to save us all. And we said, and all the people said, Amen. Whoa, and all the people said, Amen. Give thanks to the Lord for His love never ends. And all the people said amen. Amen. All the people did say amen. Amen. Give, give me an either. My guitar went way out of tune. And I know you guys didn't hear it, but it was making me crazy. And uh, so 
things. I'm sorry, I never do this. I apologize. Lily? You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of loving the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. Amen. Come on. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. And I've seen many searching for answers far and but I'm we're all searching for answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word yes you do Lord you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To and love so undeniable, I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think as you call deeper still as you call deeper still as you call deeper still into love love sing it you're good Good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're a good, good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Amen. That's right, and I'm loved by you. Is that an incredible truth this morning?
we get to rejoice in that. Sing that uh, bridge a little with us. Uh, you are perfect in all of your ways. Yes, you are, God. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Amen. Amen. Well, the administrators of the church took a huge risk. You can be seated. I'm sorry. Took a huge risk and asked me to do the announcements today. So uh, we're going to do that. So first of all, if you're a visitor here to Rimrock, thank you so much for coming. We love meeting new people, and uh, if you choose to hang around with us, you will be loved, and uh, it will be cool. So we thank you for that, and uh, as I mentioned to the parents who are here, during the second service, Drew and Boomer, uh, any parents that want to meet Drew, who's the young adult pastor, which includes high school and college, and Boomer, who does everybody younger than high school, <laughs> and uh, those guys are going to be back in the gathering place uh, for a discussion thing. So if you, if you want to talk to them, you can meet them during next service, all right? And then... The other thing is uh, they do an annual, next Sunday, uh, there's an annual chili and cinnamon roll lunch. Doesn't that sound wholesome? Uh, anyway, it's become a tradition, and Drew and the kids and a bunch of people pitch in, and they make incredible chili, and then they also sell uh, cinnamon rolls. And uh, so it's to raise money. So how, when you think about it, you know how you always struggle when you eat a cinnamon roll? Maybe you don't. Maybe you just like, forget it, I'm just eating it. Or, not, or maybe you'll say, I'll never eat one of those. But think about this. If you bought a cinnamon roll next week, it might change your life, you know, so then you can justify it, right? That's what I was thinking in my feeble brain on the way up here. Anyway, uh, so that's next Sunday, so be prepared to come have lunch. Now, have you seen these around here, these postcards? These postcards are awesome. Uh, Levi and Carrie and, and the ladies in the office got us a bunch of these. And this is, makes it so easy to invite people to Easter Sunday and Good Friday night. And we are really excited about it. Uh, last year, Drew Meyer had the idea of doing the Great Friday dramas and songs on Easter Sunday morning. So we're going to be doing that. And uh, so we're actually meeting with the cast and musicians right after second service today to get started on rehearsals. Um, but we're so excited about that. And, and like yesterday, was I the only one out shoveling snow yesterday? I, I don't know. So I'm out shoveling snow yesterday, and my neighbors uh, walk up, and I'm like, hey, you guys doing anything for Easter? And they're like, no, we were just talking about it. I'm like, well, come to Stevens High School. And they're like, okay, we will. And that's how hard it was, right? But if you have these, your neighbors, coworkers, whatever, pick up a, there's a bunch of them, right, Ben? We got a ton. We got a ton of these. And it'd be very wasteful if you don't take some. <laughs> anyway, so we're really excited about Easter. We're excited about next week. And uh, we're excited about right now, too, and, and what God's doing in Rimrock Church. Um, as I quickly adjust my guitar one last time. As you know, and I mentioned it once already. Yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, and being a Haggerty, that's kind of a special thing. But what you didn't know is that Nick Ewing's preaching today, and the original form of Ewing, as I understand it, is Mick Ewing. So he's just as Irish as I am, and his mother was a Fitzgerald on top of it. So he's actually, I'm only half Irish. I'm kind of a mutt, and, uh, but he's the real thing. So, in light of that, we were so blessed when Ellie and her husband showed up, and uh, she plays flute really well. And I said, Ellie, I have an idea, and uh, she's going to play something for me.
The pipes, the pipes are calling From glen to glen And down the mountainside That summer's gone And all the trees are dying Tis you, tis you must go and I abide But come ye back When summer's in the meadow Or when the valley's hushed And white with snow Tis I'll be here in sunshine or in shadow Oh Danny boy Oh Danny boy I love you so Amazing grace Will always be my song of praise For it was grace that bought my liberty I do not know just why he came to love me so he looked beyond my fault and saw my need let's sing that again come on amazing grace shall always be my song of praise for it was grace that set this captive free amen i do not know just why he came to love me so he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. So I will praise you, Lord, now and forever, for who you are and what you've done for me. And when I die and you come back to claim forever I will. Would you play Amazing Grace? Father, we just thank you for the your amazing grace that showers on us, Lord. So we had a miscommunication here. I was going to have you do Danny Boy again. Okay, sorry. So we're going to do that one more time. You, you play the melody to Dan O'Boy. Here we go. And we sing with us. Would you? Amazing grace. Amazing grace will always be my song of praise. Come on, stand up. And it was grace that bought my liberty I do not know just why he came to love me so he looked beyond my fault and saw my need so I will praise you Lord so I will praise you Lord now and forever for who you are and what you've done for me and when I die and you come back to claim me amazing grace forever
again with us. Come on. How great are you, Lord? How great is your mercy? How great are the things that you have done for me? How great are you, Lord? Your loving kindness is filling my heart as I sing. How great are you, Lord? Yes, it is. Come on. How great is your love? Lord, it reaches to the heavens. How great is the heart that sought and rescued me? How great are you, Lord? Loving kindness is filling my heart as I sing. How great are you, Lord? great is your love, Lord. How great is your love. It reaches to the How great is the heart that sought and rescued me. How great are you, Lord. Your loving kindness Is filling my heart as I sing, How great are you, Lord? Is filling my heart as I sing, How great are you, Lord? Father, we thank you for that incredible truth, for your great love, for your amazing grace, Lord. How great is the love and the heart that sought and rescued us, God, that drew us out of darkness in your life. All we can say is thank you, Lord. And as Nick comes up, God, we know that you have been speaking to him about what it is you want to talk to us about. So, Father, right now, we just anoint this time, ask you to anoint this time, to speak through Nick, God, to listen through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Top of the morning to you. Well, we're going to continue to approach uh, Resurrection Sunday. And we've been doing some different contrasting. I know last week Ben contrasted uh, Judas's response and Peter's response and some of their character. And today we are going to pick up in what I found very interesting, this conversation between uh, Jesus and Pontius Pilate, the governor uh, who's reigning over uh, the Jewish nation for Rome in the area that Jesus uh, was living. So um, we're going to turn your Bibles to John 18, verses 28 through 40. Uh, it'll be on the words, but some say that's hard to read for some of you, so uh, do what you need to to follow along. Uh, let me get, give you some quick context of what's going on here. You have uh, Jesus of Nazareth who is making claims as the Messiah, and he's backing up those claims as speaking with authority, executing miracles over nature, uh, spiritual, demonic, um, declaring that he is the Son of God. And so in that, there is a, a following 
of people that are, some of them are following Jesus, some people are intrigued about Jesus, but for the last three years he's been very public about this, uh, speaking in the synagogues, and so because of that the Jewish leaders uh, don't like him, and they have made plots multiple times to try to get rid of him, kill him, and this is kind of their, their final push uh, to do away with Jesus. Time, the Jewish nation, the Roman rule, and so the, the Roman authorities also have their eyes on uh, just what's going on in Jewish culture under their, their authority. Uh, at the point that we pick up with this conversation between Jesus and Pilate, it's uh, getting near the Passover holiday, and so uh, the Jewish nation have lots of different holidays for different reasons, but like us, as we're approaching Easter, uh, there's conversation, there's talk about it. Um, and then lastly, we, we know that uh, Judas betrays Jesus and turns him over to the authorities. And so then the authorities, uh, he gets questioned by the high priests uh, of that year and his father, uh, Caiaphas and Ananias. And they're basically kind of one last questioning of him. And, and Jesus indeed says, I'm the son of God. And so in response to that, that's draw. And so they go to turn him over to the Roman authorities for the sake of um, crucifying him. They want this to be done away with. can't hear me, I'll yell at you. Okay. Uh, so first, Jesus is led to Pilate, and Pilate kind of does a quick questioning of him and basically finds nothing wrong, or nothing at least um, requiring death, and then he finds out Jesus is from Nazareth. So he quickly says, oh, all right, I can send you over to Herod because that's his jurisdiction. Herod has heard of Jesus and all the different things and the miracles he's done, and he, he's ready for a show. And so he asks Jesus to put on a show, and Jesus basically ignores him, and Herod says, okay, send him back. He's not guilty of anything. And so this is the context that we have when Pilate one more time is, is Jesus is given to Pilate uh, by the Jewish authorities. And so this is where we pick up. So if you will, uh, John 18, we're going to read this. Um, I'll read this to you. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters. Uh, so that they would not defile themselves, but could eat the Passover. So, Jesus, so Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would have not delivered him to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own laws. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death that he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus to himself. Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or do others say it about me? Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? So basically Pilate saying, I have heard that you are king of the Jews. I'm, I'm not a Jew, but, but I know what's going on, and I know what people are calling you. Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world... My servants would have been fighting, that I would not be delivered over to you. But my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus said, You have said that I am a king, and it is for this purpose that I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said, What is truth? I think that response of Jesus is basically saying, I am a king, and I came into this world to reveal my kingdom. Anyone who wants to live by that truth and live in that reality will listen and respond. Picking up again in Scripture. After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews, Pilate, and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So, do you want me to release to you this king of the Jews? They cried out, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And in the other Gospels, it declares that he was a causer of riots and a murderer. So as we approach this conversation, really interesting conversation in my mind between Jesus Christ, who is representing and ushering in the kingdom of God, and has continued, particularly at this last stage of his life, to talk about what the kingdom of God is like. And then you get this, this symbolic pilot who is the governor of Roman rule, who represents a, a different agenda, the kingdom of the world. But yet at the same time, you see this almost this respect that he gives Jesus and this internal 
struggle that Pilate's going through as he's trying to decide and what he's going to do with this man. So before we start to dive in and make some observations, I'd ask that you would pray with me. Living God, we thank you so much for your word that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. And even as Jesus just declared to Pilate that he came into the world to reveal a new way of living, he came into the world to reveal truth and reality, he came into the world to reveal God. Uh, you have given us your word to do the same, and I pray that your spirit would be all over this place, that you would give us understanding of the truths spoken, and that we might apply them to our lives. Amen. A couple interesting things that I observe here. Uh, one, Pilate has heard of Jesus, he's heard of his actions, and as he's has to, almost forced to a decision when the Jewish leaders are saying, you need to do something about this, and not only something, but they're asking him to kill this man, uh, you see this internal struggle that Pilate has. And so five times, not just in this piece of scripture we read, but, but in this conversation, looking at the different gospels and further in chapter 19, five times Pilate tries to free Jesus. And two times he makes these, I would say, bold proclamations. One, at one point he says, behold the man. Another point he brings Jesus out and he says, behold your king. And so really interesting that you get Pilate, who is not affiliated with the, the, the Jewish religion, but yet he's surrounded by it. And something about this man um, has him um, unrested. Another one of the Gospels says that his wife comes up and says, I had a dream about this man. Have nothing to do with this righteous man in way of killing him. Uh, and so there's all kinds of things that are going on here. And as we look, we'll see what I believe Pilate is faced with the decision, and it's similar to the decision that we're faced. And that's basically, what kingdom are you living for? What kingdom are you willing to die for? Where is your personal allegiance? And we're going to use Pilate as kind of our example uh, and watch this internal struggle with him and then see how he executed, executes his decision. And uh, as I was reading this, I can make uh, a ton of application to my own life. So to start with, let's discuss the difference between God's kingdom and man's kingdom. So in verse 36, Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. So Rick, throw up that chart here. We're just going to touch on a few small differences between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. Number one, the kingdom of the world is divided. 31% of the world's population is Christian, 24 is Muslim, 16 is non-religious or unaffiliated, and 15 is Hindu. So the kingdom of the world is divided. The kingdom of God is open to all people who would put their faith in Jesus. Now I know as Christians we often get tagged as being very secluded, very isolated. Um, I believe that we are very firm and non-compromising in our convictions and our beliefs, but those convictions and beliefs are far more diverse than any other religion in the world, far more inclusive than any other religion in the world. So you might say we're firm and tight in our beliefs, but we're very, very open to the people. I'll show you a map real quick here. This map right here represents uh, the, the three largest religions in the world. You don't have to read it. I'll, I'll point it out. Don't strain your eyes. Uh, three largest religions in the world, Christian, Muslim, and Hindu, and as well as uh, the non-affiliated. So all of the, uh, the red is Christian. So notice how spread out geographically that is and how many different people groups how many diverse people groups that includes the greenish band is muslim and so that's a pretty big uh, population but it's fairly isolated to certain kinds of people groups northern africa and middle east and then hindu which is the third largest is basically just india it's that yellow uh, as you can imagine, the non-affiliated group is just as spread out as Christianity. They're, they're all over the place as well. But interesting to me that the kingdoms of the world set up their religions, and it is very fractionated. It is very divided. And Christianity is very open. Some other differences. 
The kingdom of the world try to control by power and external force and fear. The kingdom of God looks to serve and influence others with love. The kingdom of the world, their motives are driven by fear. You think of governments and how they control all across the world. You think of coaches and teachers and parents, people in authority. And when they have an agenda, they have a kingdom that they're trying to build, what do they use to try to govern the people underneath them? Oftentimes it's threats. Oftentimes it's shame. Oftentimes it's if you don't do this. And yet Jesus comes on and he says, everything that we do is going to be powered and motivated by love. And he's getting ready to display the greatest form of that, right? The kingdom of the world fight for personal rights and self-will. I've been listening to some Tim Keller sermons, and he talks about when you're invested and focused on, on personal rights, uh, there's two different approaches to take. The, the modern identity, and basically that's an identity that we live, a culture that we live in, and these, this, this way of thinking is basically you be true to who you are, you be true to yourself and what's inside you, and then you demand and expect everyone outside of you to conform to you. Sounds pretty familiar in our American society, doesn't it? So it's basically from the inside out. Where there's traditional identities or traditional cultures, whether this be 500 years ago or in many, many other places all over the world, but just not our Western world, it's basically from the outside in. Society has an identity, and they demand that all the individuals conform to society. So these are, you know, tribes, basically. And so one starts from, this is who I am, and everyone else be able to conform to me, and I think that's where we get our entitlement mentality. Or two, this is who we are, and you better get in line with us. And if you don't, there's serious ramifications for that. The kingdom of God doesn't focus on self. Though that's our constant inclination as people, God presents this kingdom to focus on the glory of God. And when we focus on the glory of God, you find yourself focusing on the glory of other people and receiving and entering in your own glory. One of the largest ones for me, the kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of man is temporary. In Colossians 1, 13 through 14, it says, For God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So in this, we get this transition. We get this, this rescue plan that God says, you were once a part of this kingdom, and I've pulled you out of that, and I brought you into a new kingdom. And this is the dance that we try to, to marry quick, uh, carefully, is how are we in the world, but not of the world? There should be a very decisive difference between those who have their allegiance to Jesus Christ and those who don't. But sometimes it's hard to know how to live in our culture, how to rub shoulders with our world, how to love our world, and seek to influence others by that love, but yet have a very distinct difference between what motivates us and what motivates them, what we're about and what they're about. John 17, 14 through 16, Jesus says, I have given them, he's, this is Jesus praying to the Father, he says, I have given them your word and, your, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. God calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. Again, this doesn't mean that we approach the world with animosity. This doesn't mean we approach the world with hatred and pride towards those who don't know about the grace of God. But it does mean we can stand for absolute truth. And it does mean if I am committed to the kingdom of God, I ought to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And so there's plenty of things in the world that I'm going to hate. But the, the trick, I think, is to use that righteous anger to accomplish good. Not to promote us and them use that righteous angler, you think, of, you think of all social justice actions. It starts with this idea that something is wrong and I want to go about fixing it. So really you see how a love for the victim or a love for the oppressed, that is what fuels this anger in the kingdom of God and that is often what fuels action. And so it's hard sometimes for us, but we need to be very, very careful to stay to our values and our convictions, but to make sure that doesn't come across as haughty, 
to make sure that doesn't come across as self-condemning to the world. Not only will we be motivated by different things, but our value system begins to change. Essentially, in one area, when we're focused on the kingdom of man, we are focused on worldly protection. God transfers that to divine trust. You don't have to protect yourself, whether it's simply not being vulnerable or all the other things we do. And God says, be wise, wear your seatbelt, but trust me. Our value system was once focused on worldly possessions, and God says now it should be transferred to divine generosity. Instead of accomplishing and accumulating things and worshiping them, he says use things, but be ready to give everything away. A transfer from focusing on pleasure to our primary focus being on holiness. And my experience is when you focus on holiness, oftentimes pleasure gets thrown in. A focus on worldly position to divine service. A focus on independence, right? We're always talking about, we're always hearing about how we're supposed to be independent and ourselves. And Jesus comes on the scene and changes all that. And he says, actually, I want you to be yourself, but you're not going to find yourself until you find me. And that's going to require divine dependence upon me. So the question is, Where's your allegiance? Whose kingdom are you building? Who do you commit your time, your resources, your energy, your thought life to? When you're living for your own kingdom, even though, you know, the charts are easy to differentiate. There's a left and there's a right. But in real life, I find this much more difficult. In real life, I have part of me that wants to be moral according to the standards and the ethics of the Bible. But then there's another part of me that wants what I want. And so I think this is what we observe in Pilate, is when you are committed to your own kingdom, as Pilate was, you will find within yourself deep, deep conflicting desires. One goes this way and one goes the other way. Listen to, listen to this. In John 19, 1 and chapter 4, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Pilate went out again and said to them, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Look at that action and that belief. This is an innocent man, but yet he flogs and beats him. Again, in Matthew 27, 24, same account in the Gospel of Matthew, when Pilate saw he was accomplishing nothing, interesting, I wonder what he was trying to accomplish. Was he accomplishing to win the crowd? Was he accomplishing uh, his own reputation? He was accomplishing nothing, but rather... Um, than causing or having a riot start, he took the water and he washed his hands and he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. So here you have this guy that totally believes that Jesus is innocent and not deserving death. And yet, he hands him over to be crucified. Here's what I think is going on. When you're true within yourself, you find these contradictory desires. Uh, I value honesty. And I can't tell you how many people that I talk to that say, I can't stand being lied to. You can kill my dog, just tell me that you did it. Right? So I value honesty, but yet I also value uh, money and comfort and pleasure and status. And so when all of a sudden that I have uh, my income from preaching at Rimrock that isn't declared to the IRS, what do I do? Because I can't stand liars, but I also love pleasure. It's conflicting, right? How am I going to decide whether I report that or whether I don't? I value morality and godly living. And when I need to confront my child on their attitude or immoral actions, will I do it? Because I also value peace, and I also value their, their friendship. And so I want both of these things. So how do I decide what to do? If I'm committed to my own kingdom, and if you're committed to your own kingdom, like Pilate, you're going to find this, this tear over and over and over. And so we have to have something that moves us from just these little beliefs to action. So you're going to compromise your convictions like Pilate did, or you just will have a lack of conviction. 
The other thing, if you're building the kingdom of the world, which basically means if I'm building my kingdom, is you are forced to fear man. And here's why. Your identity and your sense of worth and your value is based on all the things that you do, and more specifically, based on what everyone else thinks about what you do. And so we see this in Pilate. Pilate is aware that the Jewish leaders want Christ dead because of, out of envy, it says. So he knows the whole reason they brought him to him is because they're envious of his position. But what happens to Pilate's truth or moral conviction? It goes away because he's got man to consider. And yes, we should consider our fellow man by the way we love them and how our actions treat them. But do you want another person's opinion of you to dictate your worth and your value? Pilate ultimately feared man more than God. Scripture says, wishing to satisfy the crowd, he beats him, wishing to satisfy the crowd. He says, I don't believe this is true, but I'll give him over to you. So he was faced with these conflicting desires, and he had to decide, where does my allegiance lie? Which king? Myself or God? And as a result, he hands Jesus over, an innocent man, to be crucified. We know in the sovereignty of God, Jesus was going to that cross no matter what, right? Didn't need a soldier to pound his hands in the nails. For love of you, he hung up there. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. When I look at my life and try to assess where my allegiance is in any given moment, what I'm living for, I think oftentimes my allegiance goes to the kingdom that I think is going to reward me the greatest. You generally do what you think is going to give the greatest reward. That doesn't always mean financially or material things. It can mean reputation. It can mean peace. It can mean status. It can mean a lot of things. So knowing that you will serve one master or the other, here's my question. Which king and which kingdom are you willing to die for? If I'm building my own kingdom and serving myself, I believe that I immediately get enslaved to the world and the culture and the pressures around me to try to conform to them. I immediately become enslaved to your opinion of me. And so in a lot of ways, I choose to serve a king that's going to take everything from me. Or do you want to serve a king who takes everything that he has and gives it to you? Looking at that, that's a no-brainer. But when I have a choice to make, do I operate in faith that says, God, I trust you, that even though you will require everything, just like any other God will, you take that and you give me back everything that you have. And on Easter Sunday, we're going to start with his righteousness that he earned, that he bought, that he deserved. He says, you commit to me, and you give your allegiance to me, and you live for me, and here you go. Sitting up here talking to you, that seems like a no-brainer and a much better deal. But yet, we're all prone to wander. We're all prone to go to our own place, to build up ourselves. And so, if you're like me, I want to lead us in a prayer. You can sit down. You don't have to make a show of it. We don't have to create a lot of hoopla. But in some ways, it's a prayer of repentance where much of life, when you sign up for something, when you decide you want to be about something, there's kind of an oath given. There's kind of a declaration made, whether that be publicly or privately, that you say, this is what I want to be about. This is the king that I want to serve. This is where I was, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom that Pilate represents. And God has truly transferred me to the kingdom of his son, and I want to start living like it. And so I have a little prayer up here that, if you will, just stay in your seats, and I'll say it, and if you desire to, repeat after me. God, I repent of my involvement in the ways of the world. I 
I receive my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. I recognize who Christ has made me to be. I rest in his grace and the power of his spirit. And I seek first his kingdom. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have done in our life. And we have no ability to even execute faith in what you have done unless you give that to us. And so I know that just words from me or repeating after me is not necessarily this magical formula that's going to change our life. But I fully believe that you have plucked us from the pit of despair and clothed us with your righteousness. And because your spirit lives in us, you empower us to live godly lives. And so I pray that we would become more comfortable assessing our life and recognizing the times that we are all about allegiance to the world or allegiance to ourselves or allegiance to other people's opinions of us. And that you would simply remind us gently and we would repent quickly and receive and walk in serving you. That we would be about our Father's business. That when we're asked of who we are and what our identity is, one of the first things that would come to our mind is I am a servant of the King of Kings. We love you and praise you and ask that you would uh, receive just our, our meek offerings of singing and prayer and sermons uh, in a way that would represent truth and bring glory to your name. Amen. He gave as heaven looked away, the Son of God was laid in darkness. A battle in the grave, the war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away, his perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your king? The resurrected king has rendered you defeated forever. He is glorified forever. He is living. ground began to shake the stone was rolled away his perfect love could not be overcome now death where is your sting our resurrected king has rendered you defeated forever he is glorified forever
sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome, we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, forever He is glorified, forever He is lifted. together just with our voices and a little piano. Forever he is glorified. Forever he is lifted high. Forever he is risen. He is alive. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Yeah.